Thanks to our sponsor today, Arbalista, UK's leading business finance broker for the Arb industry. If you're looking to finance a new or used machine, get an instant finance estimate from Arbalista. Find hundreds of trusted machines at arbalista.co.uk or source a machine yourself from any dealer or private seller. Arbalista will spread the cost of ownership with competitive affordable monthly payments and a market-leading low-fixed rate. Play online 24-7 at arbalista.co.uk. Arbalista is 100% impartial and 100% Arb. This week we're keeping nice and warm and out of the bed weather as for once we have gone north and we are joined by Ben Booker from Sotrack right here in Leeds. We had a bit of a challenge getting up. Yes, yeah. it's absolutely dismal. It's been snowing even more since we've got here. And we're going to have to go home in this later. I know. But uh, yeah, the this, Yorkshire weather. The, oh, oh yeah, I forgot we're in Yorkshire Leeds. I've always thought Leeds has been on its own. And then when you get to Yorkshire, you're finally in Yorkshire. But it's right on the border, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Uh, right. This country. is episode 26 of the All Things Are podcast. Thank you for having us up, mate. No problem. Um, it's been one of those things lately. Theft in the arboriculture industry has gone through the roof. And I thought, you know what, who's better? Give me a mate, Ben, a ring. Let's come on so track. Let's have a look, see what you've got on offer. Yep. So I've never had the chance to actually sit down with you in a bit more of a personal way because we spoke business many, many moons ago when I did the magazine. But one question I've always wanted to ask you is, what is your background in the industry? Um, yeah, well, good question. So for about 15, 16 years, I worked for a company called Satrack, who you probably reached out to back in the day when we uh, when we were talking about yeah. the magazine. Um, we were owned by uh, a guy called Dan, and he basically sold up the business uh, back in 2018. So when he sold, um, my decision was, Worked for the new company, which I did for a, a certain period of time, um, and then decided, do you know what, I'm going to give it a go and set up myself. So my background really is predominantly telematics, yeah. but specifically in the construction industry for machines and for equipment that construction based, rather than the vehicles and, and all the kind of things that you you probably hear about from other companies. Um, so yeah, so th the industry is just unfortunately something I kind of not got laboured with, but I really yeah. enjoy and really, really excites me every day. Um, and, and also the biggest thing about the industry is we get to meet people like this, where it's one person that's owned a business or one person that owns a business that's grown a business to a certain degree or, you know, even, even further. Yeah. You so, can relate to them because you understand the challenges. Yeah. It's, I'll speak to hundreds of people throughout the year and the guys who have gone from working for someone to run, run the business themselves to go, I don't know what I've got here. No, it's just, no. I've had amazing staff working for yeah. me. I took a couple of gambles, some have absolutely failed, some have really paid off. Yeah. And then you go, I've been doing this two, three years, and you go, God, that was a couple of years ago, I'm yeah, really, yeah, really quick, and I've kept me head above water, and everything's going nice and smooth. But, um, it's always interesting when you finally sit down with someone and go, right, what challenges have you faced as you start on your business? Were there any significant ones for yourself? Yeah, I mean, obviously, first things first was actually like, what, what do we call it? Um, how do we how do we get into the industry with you know some other key players in the industry having a lot more financial backing than maybe we did? I'm just a guy out of the middle of nowhere that you know had very little to set up the business and um, so the, the biggest challenge was actually you know kind of going and doing it and that sounds really strange but actually yeah. just going and actually saying do you know what get in your car and go sell something that's yours um, and for the first twelve months of the business we've been doing it for what two and a half years now um, it was just me. Um, going out, speaking to people, selling them the units, calling them up, chasing the money, you know, all of the things that most 
most small to medium sized businesses do from from their bedroom per se yeah. is where it all started. And then obviously now you get a little bit further down the line and we, 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 we sort of, I don't know, 24, 26 months into it now and we have a bigger office, some more staff and, and as we grow, we, we start to, to sort of really get a lot of traction in terms of not having to go find as much custom as the custom finds us. Um, were you ever at the stage where you knew you were, you were pushing it back, starting the business because you were constantly planning? Were you trying to plan for, if anything went wrong, we've got no, this option? No, absolutely not. No, I'm completely the opposite kind of personality that you might... You know, I, my, my, my believing was, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. So I never worried about it not working because I always kind of guaranteed myself that it would. And that sounds corny, but it was completely true. Um, my, my thought was, this. I know the industry so, so well. I'd sold into it for 15 years. I'd done all the roles within the business that, apart from actually being the managing director or the owner, and it actually be my money. Yeah. So I kind of knew that it was, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna fail at it as such. Um, and don't get me wrong, between the start and where we are now, there's been road bumps. There's been you know the speed bumps as I call them in the road where you kind of, um, let's just say things don't go your way. Um, but I never thought that we were gonna fail at it. No. No. So where did the name come from? Two things. So um, obviously the so can mean software tracking. So yeah. we want it to be a little bit different. Um, and obviously if you know the kind of other people in our industry or other competitors, um, none of them had anything. A lot of the people were called, apart from the previous business that I worked for, you didn't know it was about tracking. And when I pick up the phone, I want people to not ask me what it's about. They kind of get it. So the, the track always had to be there. And then the so yeah. part was... So does that make sense? So when you call yeah. calling someone, which I believe in cold calling so much, it's it's my passion, yeah. is, hi, I'm calling from SoTrack. They can't get that wrong. Yeah. Whereas if I'm calling from, I don't know, something that doesn't have the word track in it, then you're having to kind of explain who you are before you even get started. And nobody likes that. Um, I, know, I, I, I still have that issue now, even with the podcast, because you go, it's all things are, and that, we used to be called all things are, now we're all things are podcast. Okay. Because people immediately go, oh, podcast. But because our industry is still a little bit in the dark ages, yep. they go, what's a podcast? And you go, yeah. I mean, it's been around 10 plus years and you don't yeah, know what a podcast yeah, yeah. is. You probably use the apps on your phone, but you just don't know where to Yeah, to you don't actually it. know what yeah, it is. Yeah. You just go, oh, I listen to it on Spotify or I listen to it on iTunes, for instance. But you mentioned cold calling. That has been the bane of my life and of many, many sales guys in the past. That fear of picking up the phone and going, right, what am I going to say to it? You've got to come to terms going, right, you're going to spend the next... Six months, completely failing at it. Every now and again, you'll get a win, but you're going to fail at it. And when you get your confidence there, it comes from knowing what your product is, knowing what the capabilities are, and being able to answer every single yeah. question going out to people. It's Luckily for Arborists, we don't really have to do any amount of cold call, and we normally get the lead, warm leads come through off Google, for instance, or mainly word of mouth. But for any businesses such as yourself, cold call and people just don't do it anymore. Like yeah. the, the decline in it has gone off. Everyone emails everyone yeah, yeah. or they'll send messages on LinkedIn and you go, it's so easy to look at a message and go, right, delete. But if someone's got you on the phone, I've got that hook and you go in, yeah, listen, I'll listen, I'll go with it. You go there with it. Um, when did you launch it? Was it 2000? 2000 yeah, 2000, 2019. So November, 2019. Oh, right before COVID. Yeah. So we... We launched the business um, and in November 19, get in the car, go see some people, sell a few units. Um, January comes, there's talk about COVID this, COVID yeah. that. Not really sure what that means. Uh, February comes, COVID becomes like a big apparent mess. Yeah. 
uh, and March comes and it's like country shut down, construction's not sure whether it's supposed to work or not. Yeah. So, you know, for the, for, for the for three months there, it was testing, but luckily I was on my own, wasn't I? So um, I could just sit back and kind of wait for the doors to open yeah. again. That, my problem was I was doing the cold calling and people going, do you know what's going on out there? Do you know what's going on out in the big bad yeah. world with COVID? So we, we kind of just battened down the hatches for three months and then in June, the phone just started calling again. People were saying, we need to get these tracked, we need this tracked, we need that tracked. So we were back out in the field. It's like COVID's just one of those things. I know we're going on quite a bit on the podcast, but everyone's suffered from it. And you don't actually think of you as a business going, oh, I can't actually just ring up this customer because this customer's got all of their staff. You'd like a typical job site, 500 plus people on one of the really big ones and going, oh, they're all back at home. They're not actually going yeah. in. They're not using any of the equipment. It's on a secure compound. That's my customer base effectively yeah. being removed for a couple of months. Yeah. Um, I, I was lucky. I went lazy in 2020. So I just went, oh, kind of seeing it coming. Start with a magazine. I'm going to put my feet up for six months. And I got really bored and went, okay, I want to do something. And hence where the podcast is now. Um, so going out, doing your first, obviously you've got 15 plus years of like selling the trackers to them. Was it more nerve-wracking or was you just as confident yeah. going to meet your first customer because yeah, you knew the product inside out? No, I was always, I had a coach when I was at the business that was bought by Satrack and um, he always used to say to me, you know, if you, because I had aspirations to always go on my own anyway. Yeah. People knew that. Um, and he used to say to me, the first person you go sell it to will be the best person you, you the one person you'll remember. And the first person that gives you the money and actually physically pays you through the bank yeah. will make you so excited. And listen, it didn't scare me and it doesn't, I still get, it's a weird one, I still get excited now when people pay you, even if it's like 10 quid, because you're still getting. Yeah, I'm but still, you've made that money yourself, no yeah, one else yeah, yeah. has, yeah, yeah, has yeah. made so that for nothing, you. Nothing, no, I'm, I'm, I know I said it earlier, but not nothing, listen, as we, as we said before you started, you know, if you don't get nervous about what you do, you're not, you're not doing something that excites you. Yeah. And, and of course, you get nervous, but I, I enjoy what I do day in, day out. I still go out and meet customers, I still meet every single customer we can predominantly um, because it's the story behind it gives us a lot more credentiality than maybe another company that comes along that's just a sales guy that'll be five grand richer somewhere else on the next job in yeah. the next pay salary. You, know? you make it, when it's when you a small business deals with another small business, it makes it a lot easier to relate to them because you know they've gone from the struggles. Yeah, yeah. But if you ring up the likes of, like we use Eon, the energy company, yeah, yeah. You're through to a call centre, and all, all you know is, right, I've got a 40-minute wait. Yeah. Where you never... And then when you never get put through, it's a, it's a tedious wait. So yeah. You get into the point where you, you're really annoyed, and you take it out on them, and actually all they are is a person that's trying to make their money too. Yeah. Whereas when you, like you say, when you're speaking to people that own a business, whether it be similar size or even bigger businesses that have grown to 30, 40 million pound turnover, yeah. it's still a guy that you're meeting that ran the business from the beginning. I like to understand, where did you come from? Yeah rather than where are we today and just let's sell you some trackers. Where have you come from? Tell me, because that experience might help me. Um, and, and sometimes now, we've been doing it a little bit longer than you know two and a half years. Some people ask me, you know, where did, like you did, where did you come from? Where has it gone? Where is it going? Um, and, you know, I don't have a magic wand, but I know where I'd like it to go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. How many trackers have you got in place at the moment? Um, so we've probably got about six and a half thousand license. <laughs> oh, I don't think it was that yeah, many. Yeah, yeah. So six and a half thousand license payers right now. So when in the pomp of the business that we previously had, it was about yeah. twenty five thousand. Okay, wow. we've got about six and a half thousand in two and a half years. So we, we we've we've grown sort of exponentially quite quickly. Yeah. 
Um, and what we've seen is the theft is on a rise, yeah. um, but machines coming in is on a decrease because of the waiting times. So what we th- what I saw at the end of last year, the last three months of last yeah. year, is kind of like a plateau rather than the growth trajectory. So at that point then, we decided that we would um, implement more staff, yeah. so more internal salespeople making the cold calls um, to far reach and get our sort of products and services out there. We've also done a little bit of um, a magazine called Diggers Live, and we've started advertising in that too, which is the first... I don't have that kind of marketing background, yeah. so I stay away from it. I'm more of a sales person. Um, so we've tried that avenue too. Um, so yeah, so it's gone to 6,500 now. We've just touched that over the last couple of weeks. We're looking to get to past and beyond 10,000 by the end of this year. Um, and, and then with 2023... I'm hoping that we're going to be able to see a lot more of the the construction industry machines churning a lot quicker. As they churn in a lot quicker, I think we'll probably aim to get another 7,500 new users after that. So we'll be at 17,500 by by 2023. I don't think it was that many. I Mm. thought it was like a couple of thousand. No, 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 no. no. And you are, you, what would you say? You're like quite a big player in the industry or still quite small? I'd say we're, yeah, small, very, very small, small to medium. Um, we're touching the surface. Um, if you think about, you know, if you do a little bit of research into the construction industry as such, because yeah. I know it's, I know agricultural is slightly different, but you know, we're talking about last year. I think the latest statistics were about four hundred million pounds worth of equipment was stolen. Four hundred million, you know. So for a Forbes chipper that's worth fifteen, sixteen thousand pounds, that's a lot of chippers that go yeah. missing, um, and people still don't track them. Still. They still don't take yeah. the extra, well, I've spent £15,000 on this machine. I don't want to pay £500 for a tracker. Yeah. Right, well. I'd rather just risk it on the insurance company paying out for yeah, it. Yeah, or the insurance company will pay out, the premiums will go up. We get that. Yeah. The headache of going through an insurance company. But the, the big change and the big thing that's changed in the last six to eight months is you can't go hire the chipper off the local guy that you used to be able to hire off because he's already hiring someone else. Yeah. So you can't go get the chipper back that you had that was stolen. Um, or you can't yeah. go buy another chipper from another manufacturer and have it delivered within four weeks like you used to be able to. You're waiting four months if you're yeah. lucky, maybe even 12 months. Yeah. So the, the, the landscape's changed, which means that we've had an increase. Obviously, unfortunately, we do, we do have that kind of... We have, we have to have a thief that makes people want to buy our products yeah. and services. Yeah. So there is a negative to it. But at the same time, we're not trying to, we're not trying to have a positive effect from a thief. We're trying to actually... What I'm trying to do is educate people to buy before it even happens so they can have a positive result. So people only go, oh, it's been right, next time I'll I'll get a tracker installed. I'll try and... Horses bolted. Yeah, I'll try and increase my chances of being able to recover the machine. Yeah. Then having to go, right, I need to work a couple of extra days because my premium's gone up this year. How many ARB-related businesses are you working with roughly now? Ooh, good question. I'd say that we've probably got... I would say maybe about 10 to 15... Um, at the moment, and that ranges from. I mean, if you if you look at, we just did a newsletter on LinkedIn. Twenty five percent of our business is in the construct, you know, in the ARB sector. Let's say um, because they have lots of machines, but I would say that eighty percent of our our business is using mobile apps to actually go on to the system and actually see where things are. Yeah. So a lot of people used to buy trackers and they would fit and forget it. And then when it went missing, the tracker company would bring you up and say, your machine's activated. 
or you would ring them up and say, well, can you activate the tracker now? We've paid you all this money and all this service yeah. for X amount of years. Whereas what we do is slightly different. You've got an app, you can just go onto it whenever you like and just go, do you know what? That's where my assets are today. Yeah. They're supposed to be there. I can, I'm not saying a lot of people say it, but I can sleep at night tonight. You know, you, maybe not that extreme. Yeah, the idea is, is if I'm putting, I don't know, a million pounds worth of kit out there in the field, then maybe I actually want that kind of background check to be able to see where my vehicles are or see where my machines are. Um, it's like people will get secured systems installed for the home. Yep. You've got obviously got an alarm on your vehicle. Alarm on your house. You've got an alarm on the truck. But CCV in yard. Yeah, but your assets such as like a stump grinder or a wood chip or anything yeah. along those lines. You just, I don't get why people don't spend the money. Really? What, what is the cost of a typical tracker nowadays? Um, so, I mean, typical cost, is, it, it varies because obviously, yeah. because of the companies that we deal with, we, we deal with one company that's got one chipper and we aspire, and my aspiration is to deal with someone that's got one chipper and someone that's got 100. Yeah. They're all tracked the same and, you know, that one chipper is just as important as someone that's got 100. So you can buy the units and look, you, you're talking about all in cost for one year, 500 pounds along those lines. It's not a lot. So in, in respect and in reality to the actual cost of an actual chipper or the replacement or the insurance yeah. premium increase, it's negligible. Yeah. It's very minimal. Um, but then you've got your other larger companies that you know we, we also aspire to deal with too that maybe have 100 to 150. And when you start adding those kind of numbers up, they kind of get, ooh, it's a bit more standoffish. Yeah. Um, then we have options to finance the hardware and finance the installation and finance the subscription costs too. So it basically means that it's like hiring a car. You know, rather than paying five hundred pounds up front times by hundred mm. and it being fifty thousand pounds, you pay, I don't know, eighteen pounds per month per tracker and you go, right, actually we can break that cost down, there's no capex, we can track everything and we pay monthly for it. Just so like you do with all the other bits and pieces. Yeah. So is the tracker and then the subscription service they two separate things? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So So you bought the sorry, just to to make sure I'm, I know what I'm going on about. Is it found good just for the tracking device no, no, no. or does that include? In. All oh, in. that's all, all in. in. All in. So you buy the hardware, the hardware is installed, and then you have a, an annual subscription for the for the running cost yeah. of the apps, the UI on the uh, the normal sort of interface that you would use on your on your laptop. That's why don't people just get trackers installed then? Because it's it's not. A lot. I understand if you like. I do get. I do machines. get reasons why. I mean, look. The, the, there is also people that are part of the industry that have used tracking systems before. They've lost machines and they fall out of faith with it as such. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and and my actual honest answer to that is, look, there's nothing I can do or anything I can say that will change your mind. However, we've designed this for your industry. We've designed this for you. Not for me, for you. Yeah. And when, when we went out there and started the business, we knew what, what customers wanted and what customers needed. And it was plant-based, it was construction-based. It was a text if the machine was moved out of hours rather than ringing a call center or an email. Um, and it's kind of a bit more intuitive in that way. So a lot more people are becoming like, they're getting to the point where they're now starting to think, actually we do trust, we have a trusted brand now yeah. and people start to realize who we are and what we do. Um, and we don't venture into the logistics. We don't venture into the warehousing companies and all those kind of things. So they start to see us the, the provider of choice for a reason. That's who we deal with. Yeah, so, I, I like that. You're not trying to no, say, "Oh, we can absolutely not." We can save you a couple of miles per gallon each no, year if you do all that stuff. No, absolutely not. And that's the big thing with me is, look, if someone came along and said, "I'll buy 100 trackers off you on my warehouse company," of course I'd say yes. Yeah. Um, who wouldn't? But at the same time, my guys and the team behind us, okay, and the team behind SoTrack are ringing the people that are listening to this podcast and the people that want to listen to 
arbicultural uh, tree surgery. Mm. I want to keep my chippers safe. I want to keep my fleet safe. I want to keep my gang safe when they're out in the vehicles. Um, and also, well, it was the last night. Um, we have a, a mutual connection, and he, he put a screenshot up, and you could see where all of his teams were at that time. Yeah. And as a business owner, you'd go, right, I know where team A is, I know where team B is. If there's an issue, I can get help to them straight away instead of them going, well, rod the Saturday A50 um, between this milepost and this milepost. It's, it's yeah, pinpoint yeah. precision, yeah. which I, I really liked that when I seen it last night. Because, yeah. yeah. again, it's one of those things you don't think about of going, Right, there's a massive storm going on. Where are my lads at the moment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you want to get them home to their families. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's the that's the biggest difference between some people that are, are kind of coming to terms with the technology as such, because mm. it can be used in so many different ways. Tracking on vehicles, like you talked about there, it, it was renowned for battering people and telling people they were late for work or they were late to site. Those that, that's what yeah. those days have gone. Because I was reading a case study. Because obviously, I like to do my research. I was reading a case study with a rival, and. The biggest claim was it improved like ten percent of timekeeping, yep. and it was going right. No, you, you're not seeing That's, that. You that clearly says to me you don't trust your employees yeah, to turn up on time. But you're making that as one of your big claims. Yeah. It was a bit like the on. gangs go out last night. Seven to ten people yeah. out last night around Derbyshire area. They're working on you know some of the the worst storms that the country's ever seen, um, and you know the owner of that business is making sure that he can see where the guys are to yeah. help maybe other staff get to the same site to help to get the job done quicker. Um, so obviously that'll help utilisation. But also making sure that the guys get home at one, two, three o'clock last yeah. night, like you were saying, because they're back home to their families and we've all got you know, children or, or or wives and families to, to look after. So that's really, I think that's a really important thing that, and it was great that, <laughs> I know it's funny that we're doing the podcast today, but maybe the storm happened for a reason and, and you can talk about these kind of things. Yeah. What is the typical size of a tracker? Is it like size of a mobile phone, size of a tablet? Yeah, no, so the, 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 the technology has really advanced over the last three, four, five years. So we, I would say that usually if it's in the palm of your hand, packet of cigarettes, just a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, waterproof, vibration, tested, IP67, everything you need it to be. I say to clients, it's designed to live in the chipper, digger, dumper, whatever you're going to yeah. decide to put it in forever and never see the machine again. Because obviously you don't want the machines in your yard, you want your machines out working. So, But all the units are fully transferable, so you can reuse them. So it's basically what we're trying to do also is when we do sell you a piece of hardware, it's an asset. So you can keep it forever and you can change it from one chipper to another chipper to another machine and, and use it as, as an asset within your business rather than it just being a throwaway tracker. So that was going to be my next question. Right, I've got a tracker, it's installed. Right, am I used, can I... Get someone to come out and take yep. it out and print another machine. We have auto electricians that go across the whole of the UK, install the product first. Yeah. Um, then you call us up and say, look, we've decided we're going to replenish this chipper fleet that we've got. When you replenish the fleet, we want to take the trackers out and put them into the new ones. No problem. We come out, do the service, oh, take the tracker out, put it into the new one. So do you, because you can get faster operated and hardwired ones, which ones? Or we do, do both. You, you do both. We do both. So naturally, what I was trying to be was the one-stop shop for tracking yeah. within the industry. So what we do today is we do an asset tracker, we do um, a plant tracker, we do a vehicle tracker. So basically, if I walk into an arborist, tree surgeon, construction-based business, I can track any asset that I like, apart from steel saws, uh, blowers, yeah. um, strimmers, well, and all those kind of things. What's all going to come with a tracker for um, well, there are little things that are starting to creep in the industry yeah. from Hilti and from other competitors of ours. The, the biggest downfall I've seen so far so far is it's all Bluetooth enabled rather than actually GSM or GPRS or cellular. 
Um, and that that's the downfall because you know what they're going to do. They're going to put the stream in the back of a vehicle and drive away and yeah. you're never going to yeah. see it again. Um, but one of the things that we are doing and we're going to advance into next year because, again, we're going down the health and safety route, which is predominantly seems to be one of the biggest factors of the industry, is we're going to start and we're going to create an app that's a walk-around check for plant. So basically, you turn up in the morning and your yeah. chip is ready to go. You have to do the, the checks, which companies are starting to do paper checks. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to do it all app-based, cloud-based. It's all going to sync into the actual platform we've already currently got. Like so that. basically, when you do the walk-around check, yeah. you're compliant to use the digger today or you're compliant to use the chipper today. And you might envelop that as we go through in the next three, four, five years, because the industry's not there yet. But you have to have certain accreditation to actually physically turn the machine on. Um, and that would, really, that would really take our industry to the next level. And that's what we're kind of trying to get there. But unfortunately, construction industry is the, what, the least digitalized industry in the world. So unfortunately, you, you can't run before you can walk. Firstly, we, we want to do the tracking. Secondly, we're going to start to bring out these new behavioral changes. Um, and then it offers a, a different sales pitch. Yeah. To And you don't have to buy the trackers to use the walk-around checks. You can, my idea is, is you'll be able to buy the walk-around check app yeah. and not have the trackers. Because I don't want to have to be the kind of business where you have to buy one to get the other. Yeah. You can, that, that's, I like that thing. Because there's so many brands where you've gone, well, just, I specifically need this product that you make. Yep. Well, you need to buy this and you need to buy this. And you go, just look, you can get, I'm mean, using a customer right now. Give me what I need. Yes. It's offering that flexibility to people yeah, yeah, yeah. that you go. I want you to pay me, not tell yeah. you to go away. And that's something that's going to come out back end of this year or, or the latter part of the second half of the year, which might be another another great talking point for, yeah. for them. So connectivity, 5G, 4G, uh, yeah, yeah. GPRS. Stuff. Yeah, GPRS, GSM mobile phone based uh, products and services which again th the myth is oh your mobile phone products are going to be you know black spots in the country yeah. absolutely there are black spots in the country i was i was in one uh, in surrey not only thursday when i was driving around to, to see some groundworks companies um some people live in the beautiful part of the world where there is no phone signal but 4g and 5g is becoming more predominant and um, by 2025 i think they're trying to bring out that only 4g and 5g will be the, the go-to cellular um, and also it's the most it's the most common form for tracking yeah. and it's the most accurate. So you can pinpoint said machine, said vehicle, and within two meters, put your arms out wide, you can see it um, or you can touch it. Um, and, you know, with radio waves based products and services, which other companies do, you're looking at more of a, a radius parameter, which if you get in the machine, if you know, going into like getting the police to come out and recover assets, you aren't going to get a policeman to come out and say, well, it's in Ilkeston. Right, okay, whereabouts? No idea. It's just in Ilkeston. Yeah. If you go look for it, right, no, not going to happen. Whereas yeah. with us, you can say it's on a Cashmere Avenue in Ilkeston. It's down at the back, by the gates, by the by the garage door. The, 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 the police turn up. Yeah, the police in the RV industry just don't get along because there's times where I know lads don't even ring them anymore to go, the machine's gone. There's no point. I'll ring 111, I'll get a crime reference number and I'll go straight to the insurance company. Yeah. And that's where trackers can now come in. Because if you ring, I can only assume, if you ring up the police and I'm following the van, yep. it's got me chipper in front of them. Yeah. And you start. Well, you're, you're actually, uh, the way that we describe it is very similar, yeah. And, and you're a threat to the community yourself then because you want to get your machines back by hook or by crook. Um, and, you know, predominantly that's what companies do. We don't advise you to go out and, and no. kind of go get it yourself. But at the same time, you know, if you ring the police and say, look, we're, we're traveling behind our own machine, 
It's been stolen. I've got a live tracker with a GPS position that's within two metres. We are now here. Please, can you join? You, they, they have a great response. And, and years gone by, the police were always the negative with, with regards to, to recovery. And that's definitely changed over the last 12 months. Could you not say because it's made their job really easy to go? Yeah, and they want it. numbers. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can take that box. So yeah, take that box. We've us. got another another recovery, another another fine job by the police. Yeah, that's what they want. So I've come to my yard. I've opened up. The machine's gone. What do I do at that stage? Well, predominantly what you should have had is already alert set on the system so the machine will alert you telling the machine. the geo fence? Yeah, so there's a couple of different ways that you do it. So a machine's going to be stolen in, in, in one of kind of three or four ways. One, it's in your yard. They lift it over the side of your, your steel girder gating, um, hire a bit across, put it onto the back of something, drive it away. Yeah. Okay, so we've got an alert called the tow-away alert, which enables you to get a text message straight away saying the machine's moved when it shouldn't be. You've got the geofence alert, which basically means you set the parameter around HS2, for example. Um, the, the area you're working on HS2, if the machine leaves that area, tell me. Okay, um, and again, the machine will alert you. If the machine's turned on out of hours, it will send you a text. So the machine's turned on, they then drive it onto the back of a low loader and drive it away. It's sending you a text message. Yeah. Um, so, And then also you've got the battery disconnection alert that covers all three bases. So again, old theory was cut the wire to the ignition barrel, hopefully all the tracking systems go dead, yeah. um, and no alerts are sent out. Well, our system will again alert you via a text message telling you. So you're one step ahead of the thief. Oh. And also that... But that's interesting the way it does that way. So have you seen it from both sides then? Have you do you actually do like work with the police and go Yeah, yeah, we speak like, to them yeah very how, frequently. How are the crooks? Yeah, we want we want them to be as educated as we are because yeah. the, they, they don't want the olden days where they'd say, We'll give you a crime reference number and give it to your insurance companies. Well no one trusts the police anymore, do they? And they get a bad they get a bad name for that. And my brother in law's a policeman. Um and, and you know, he, they want to get good results. You hear, I, I have chats with him about it. They just want a good result. They want to be able to provide good service. That's why they're doing it. So if we can give them and forearm them with more information and give them a GPS location that's down to two meters, they want to go get the result yeah. too. Um, so when these alerts come through, what you're trying to do is be ahead of the curve. And my, my way of explaining it to, and Jack, who works for us, will say the same thing is, the, the immobilize, we can also immobilize machines remotely. We haven't even talked about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about so, that later. Okay, so you immobilize the machine remotely. That's the preventative. The tracking system's the cure. Yeah. So you're preventing the theft or you're curing the theft. So either or. Um, and you know then you're getting the alerts. And again, you've got three or four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people working within your workforce. Everybody gets the alert. Don't just have the owner of the business get the alert. Get your contracts managers getting it. Get your plant manager getting it too. Because the more eyes that see it, the better. The yeah, more reaction. I wouldn't even to do that because if it was me, I'd just have it pinged into no. my phone. That's the, yeah, that's, again, say, yeah, because obviously that's natural though. As a business owner, yeah. you want the control element to it. So do I. But at the same time, what you want to do is you want to be able to give your workforce the autonomy to get the alerts through and go, do yeah. you know what? I care about this machine coming back as much as you do. And then they have, we have a customer that's a, a plant hire company that have a WhatsApp group. And they get the alerts come through and they're on it straight away. Yeah. Is this alert real? Is that you know, is that alert supposed to be happening or is that machine being used by the by the hire at the weekend? And I get phone calls on Saturday morning saying, The machine won't start, but it's immobilized. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why the machine won't start. Great, we'll take you down for an extra day's hire. 
There's also the way that it can actually return its investment in that respect too. Yeah. Ah, so I you like can immobilize your machines. Well, I like that idea. Yeah, going. so yeah. the immobilization <laughs> works in the fact that you can set it two ways. You can immobilize it via the app or the desktop. Yeah. Okay, one click, machine's dead, 30 seconds. Yeah. Second, you can immobilize it on a time schedule from six, six at night to six in the morning. Machine shut down, alerts on. If something goes missing, you're notified. Okay, what happens is, is machines are then out on hire Monday to Friday, and then on Saturday, machine needs to be used. What happens? They get a phone call. Machine's not working, right? But you're not paying for the hire. Yeah. Oh, I just need to... Right, okay. Well, we'll take you down. Right, okay, that machine might be 150 quid for the day. Yeah. If the tracking system's only 500 pounds, you only need three or four of those, and you've paid for your years, yeah. years worth of tracking. I like that. For looking at a business owner, I like that idea, because it makes your um, me money, me machine's always making me money. Yeah. But as the guy who's hired out going, oh, I'll get a sneaky day out of it. Yeah. You call your pants down on that one. So we were talking about the connectivity. Do the trackers have to see the satellites or if it goes into a building, will yeah, the no, latest so, ping give it away still? Yeah, so the, that's the question you get asked every single meeting, pretty much, predominantly. And so no GPRS, no GPS-based tracking system in the world will work inside a container. Okay, so a metal steel container, if they put the machine in there, it's it's not gone, yeah. but it's in the steel container. The signal is being jammed. You standing there with your mobile phone trying to make phone calls. It's not going to happen, <laughs> okay? But the myth is they put them in steel containers. They don't, okay? So when, when people steal machines, they haven't got a steel container ready, and they aren't shipping it to Africa or, or Ireland or wherever these machines are destined to go imminently, okay? There is, a, there is a process that they're taking as much as the process is setting up a business, they're kind of doing the same process, yeah. depending on who the th who the thief is. If it's a hardened criminal, they're not going to put it in a, a steel container. They're going to put it on an industrial estate. So they put it on the back of a low loader, put it on the back of a little trailer, yeah. put it on an industrial estate, hide it. Yeah, leave it for a couple of leave days. Leave it on the industrial so estate. So it's on, you know, Smethwick Road industrial estate in Wolverhampton. Yeah. Okay? You go past it verbatimly every day when you're running your, your, your skip high business. Oh, that's a chipper. Never seen that before. But you don't say anything. Yeah. I don't I don't ring the company alongside of it, you just leave it sat still. A couple of days go by, they then move the chipper and they go on. Um, you know, they don't hide them in wooded areas. I was having this conversation again on Thursday with a guy in Surrey. You don't you don't hide them in a wooded area because we recovered a machine not only I don't know, November, December time. It was a, a Bomag roller in uh, Burnley. And basically they'd put it in a wooded area. Lady was walking her dog. She rung the hire company and said, I've I've seen a roller here <laughs> Saturday morning. Um, and she was like, is that roller supposed to be there? No. Let me see. Right, okay. These guys had no alerts set, because some hire companies don't set the alerts because yeah. they don't want to be notified out of hours if the machines are being used. Right, that machine's... Go recover the machine, take it back to site, back into Blackburn. So it's it's it, it's kind of... Uh, it's a tricky question to answer because, no, it doesn't work, but there's a reason why it doesn't mm. work, and nor would many other systems in the whole country work in the same location. Mm. You're trying to stop it, prevent it, or... Yeah get the alerts from it before it goes there. So you know, you've seen like these films where people walk up with this little key fob and you start the vehicles and even now keyless theft is becoming a major thing in the industry. Is there a way like signal jammers for the trackers? Do cro crooks actually go around with them in hand and go I believe and so. check I it? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. I've never seen them actually working. I've, we were once upon a time back in 2014-15, a jammer was left on a telehandler seat of a, of a machine that we recovered. They turned the jammer on took the machine where they took it, turned the jammer off. Yeah. Ping, location through, ping, get the machine recovery. 
I believe there are things out there that can jam uh, mobile phone signal. Um, but if you can imagine, if they're jamming mobile phone signal, they're jamming mobile phone signal in an area, which I'm sure that the police are going to be kind of keeping an eye on that kind of mm. thing too. So all of a sudden, there's these kind of things aren't supposed to be happening, what's going on, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I haven't physically ever in my two and a half years of doing this, even with going out to recoveries and actually being with them when they're recovering machines yeah. and getting phone calls on a night just saying, is this machine live? Yes, it's live. It's been stolen. Yes, it's definitely there. Sometimes customers want that extra feel yeah. of, yes, we're going down to this machine. So we, I've never seen it work, to be honest. Um, I know there's one guy in particular, he's got two different companies, two different trackers on the machine quite like within a prominent area. If you took, you took the side cover off the machine in question, you'd see these two little black boxes and you'd go, mm. is that something people advise to say like, get two trackers put on the same machine or is it just... You, I don't you know, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because obviously two trackers, two different lots of revenue, two different lots of subscriptions, yeah. two, two different lots of cost um, and that kind of puts people off. Um, however, we have seen, I've seen a rise in people buying two trackers uh, this year for sure. Uh, it's the people that have machines stolen that go, right, we're going to buckle our belt. And what we're going to do is we're going to put a hardwired unit in, we're going to put a non-powered unit in. And what we do is we covertly install all of the, non, uh, all of the hardwired trackers into the machines. Yeah. It takes us two hours per install. You shouldn't even see the tracker when you go open up the side. Yeah. It shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be visible. What you can also do is, you know, you could also put dummy units in too. Um, and you can actually make people think that that's the tracker, take it out, and actually, yeah. yeah. And we've we've also found that that's been quite predominant too, um, and that that those kind of things have started to become a little bit more. There's a little bit more traction in that right now, but a lot of people that we go deal with just like the fact that they know we again going back to it. I know I keep saying it. We're industry specific. They know what we do, and you know that Tom, Dick, and Harry or Joe Blogs Tree Surgery is using our products because they've already spoke about it on yeah. arbtalk.net or or they've rung each other. And the, the industry is so tight-knit. I've learned that over the last six weeks. Yeah, people... You can speak to people. Yeah. And I'll speak yeah. to someone in Shrewsbury and I'll mention so, you know, Joe Soap in um, in Nottingham and he knows him. Yeah, because um, when I was speaking to you, you're like, oh, do you know so-and-so? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke to him last week. Do you know this person? Yeah. People forget. The Arb industry, there's only like 30,000 of us in the UK. Yeah, yeah. But even, like, I'll meet brand new people who have never met in my life and go, oh, you know so-and-so? And I was yeah. like, oh, that's why I've already heard about you because I spoke to him, I spoke yeah, to you, yeah. spoke to so on. Um, I'm going to look at the theft and recovery aspect. How much... So, my machine's been stolen, it's got a tracker. What is the recovery rate? Um, so, recovery rate at the moment, we did a newsletter um, just three or four days ago, um, 95% is the recovery rate at the moment. Okay, so it's quite high. Yeah. Um, and I know that's quite high, um, but it's quite high for a reason because of the, the things that we put in the background, the time and effort that we put into installation, the time that we do. I could be the best salesperson, have the best product and the best service in the world, but if it's fitted in the wrong way and the guys that turn up don't fit them correctly um, and our subcontractors that we trust to go out there and do this work doesn't, don't do it to their full competency, then it's useless. Yeah. So we do have a, a large recovery rate. Um, the 5% that we lose, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, you lose 5%, why? They could not set alerts. That, you know, if someone really, really wants your machine, they're going to take it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm a firm believer of that too. Um, so the, 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 the kind of 
synergy between what we recover and what we don't recover is is far higher in recovery. You know, in terms of the amount of cost that we recovered, um, in terms of you know machinery, it can range from a fifteen thousand pound Forbes chipper like we recovered two weeks ago, um, to a seventy five thousand pound digger. What has um, been the biggest recovery for yourself? So the biggest recovery is the seventy five thousand pound digger, oh. um, and you know how exciting was that when the police yeah. are recovering it, and you know that seventy five thousand pound thirteen ton excavator is large excavator has to be moved on a on, on a low loader. That buzz that night was extremely exciting. The theft happened and it occurred just as the guys had left site. So it's not the middle of the night because obviously if you're moving a machine in the middle of the night, yeah, a lot of people go, go, go or the police go, what's going on? So six o'clock the site shut down, six forty five they're going. That's soon. Yeah, yeah. Really quickly. High vis jacket, low loader, look yeah. like they're part and parcel of it. Well that's that with the construction industry, like we know vehicle like people peeling the doors back. If you turn up in a white van, looking like a builder yeah. on a building site, no one's gonna say, no. "Hang on, you're standing like a sofa here." Yeah, it's it. That, yeah, it's, so we recovered uh, that. We don't. We do, You don't <laughs> naturally tend to find like three, four, five, six items go at the same time. Yeah, it's usually like one chipper here or one digger there. Or we had another instance where it was um, a, a machine and a compressor. The compressor was put on the back of a loader. The machine wasn't moved because it was immobilized. They couldn't steal that. But they stole another machine that was on a hire from another hire company that had no trackers. So they put that on the back of, which in turn naturally led to us going in to do the meeting with the hire company that had no trackers. Yeah. And they bought 55 units on the back of that um, because they'd stolen the compressor, but they couldn't steal the excavator. Um, so, yeah, so that, that would be the biggest uh, recovery that we've had today. So having the tracker on your machine, does it actually reduce your insurance or does it have the opposite effect? Insurance companies seem to be not so forthcoming with giving discount. You don't get you don't get a negative or you don't get anything, uh, let's say negative for not or for having it. If yeah. that makes sense. Um, so a lot of the time, it's more of a, a case of, do you want to see your machine there tomorrow? Yes, we all have insurance. We have house insurance. We have life insurance. We have mortgage insurance. We have every insurance that you can have thrown at you, don't you? To, you have to take them all, predominantly. And you also have insurance on your chippers, you have insurance on your vehicles, you have public liability, everything, you know, tick, 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 tick. The biggest thing is, do you want the problematic phone call on a Monday morning saying, I've had three chippers stolen? Yeah. And your premium was £12,000. Okay, you pay your £12,000, you get your three new chippers in 12 months' time. Or what happens then after that as well, the next 12 month cycle is where you get really hit in the belly and the £12,000 premium then becomes £18,000, which, as we all know, and with the COVID and, and, and all of the climate that we're going through is that the prices seem to be increasing on everything. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get that money back somewhere along the line in yeah. terms of increasing our work, increasing, you know, the price that we, we have to, um, the contract values that we go out and do. So the insurance companies need to become, they need to be as educated as I'm saying our, our actual customer base need to be. Yes. We need to be sat in front of these insurance companies. The problem is, is that going back to our original conversation is one person coming in and meeting another small to medium and, and large enterprise that's owned by one guy, you get the synergy. Insurance companies, it's just all behind call centre. Yeah, call centre, just make um, money. It's yeah. like, we, we want your, your stuff to go missing every now and again because you won't need us any other way. Yeah. Why don't manufacturers just install trackers as, as standard? So they are. So there are certain, um, not maybe in this specific sector, yeah. um, as in chippers and stump grinders, um, 
there are people out there that are doing it on excavators, telehandlers and, and the like. Um, and, and that's great. Okay, there's, there's, the positive is, yes, it would come with it on. Yeah. The negative is, it comes with it on and it's fitted you know, verbatimly in the same place on a production line. Mm. So all of a sudden, the tracker is on the same digger. So a Bobcat E27 yeah, yeah, yeah. is fitted in the same location every time. So I, I am a, I'm a firm believer that, yes, we want to deal with OEMs and I would like my business to expand into that sector one day. Yeah. The problem I have is, is that I come to you as a Forbes, I go into Forbes and say, look, guys, we want to retrospectively fit something on every single machine that you now produce in the UK, Sweden, and everywhere. And they say, yeah, great, we'll fit it into the ECU, we'll make all the wiring move fit into there too. All you've got to do is connect your black box. Yeah. The problem is, the black box then, on every Forbes SD6, is in the same place. Yeah. So then, the, then, then we're contradicting what I originally wanted to do when I set up the business. Yeah, because there's no way you could do it to say, right, we'll encase it in metal and then we'll just have a little aerial coming out where the radio could, is. Yeah, I mean, the, there are people that are now encasing it into the ECU of machines. Yeah. Okay, but then you're still having the same problem. They'll rip the ECU out and they'll just yeah. use the machine as parts. There's always going to be someone that wants it for different to what you think. Yeah, no force um, that way. So what we do is we retrospectively fit it, and yes, we would like to speak to the likes of Forbes and all these kind of manufacturers that do it, because obviously, why wouldn't you? But at the same time, I'd rather deal with the end user, because the end user then gets what they want out yeah. of it, rather than being horseshoed what a manufacturer does. Is there any myths around trackers at all? What do you mean? Like I said, well, this is trackers are the best thing in the world ever. They'll 100% I'll get you machines. More the opposite. So probably more the opposite. So unfortunately, I'm I, well. Fortunately for me, I'm tracker mad, and yeah. obviously that's what I do and what I love and and what I've done for a long, long time. You get a lot of more people say, "Well, they don't work." We've heard they don't work. I've got a mate of a mate of a mate of a mate that had a dig digger stall with a tracker on that didn't work. And and my answer to that is, look, I completely get you. However, you've never used my products and services before. That's been designed for machines, been designed for your industry, and that's and look. I say it to the guys that are on the phone, you might not win today, but one day, yeah. one day, they're going to call you back. If you say, if you handle it in the right way, one day you're going to get a phone call. I, I did it the other day. They were using another tracking provider, and I know this guy quite well, and I kept saying to him, one day you're going to need me. When, you guy, when those guys let you down, just give me a call. Just honestly, just give me a call. And what happened was, Tuesday morning, I get a message through LinkedIn. That day's turned up. That day's arose. What do you mean? We've been let down. No more yeah. questions needed, no more questions answered. I can be with you tomorrow afternoon. Again, very responsive, very much like the industry that we work in or we're talking about today is trees gone down, let's respond within two hours. Very responsive, let's go see them tomorrow. Order for eight. Straight away. What are your thoughts on uh, people using air tags and the little Samsung devices? Because there's, yeah, I mean, there's one firm I've, I know that bought someone specifically because they do mainly inner city inner city workings. Yeah, where everyone's always walking past with a phone. Yeah, so it can always kind of like ping off in the area. And yep. most of the time, if the thief's going out to nick a machine, yeah, they're likely he's going to have might have an iPhone, might have a Samsung phone. Yeah, he's going to track himself anyway. So I believe from the research that I did, you can have 15 Apple tags associated to your Apple account. Yeah. So once you get beyond 15. You need another person within your business to have the other 15. What you then don't want is the problematic problem of that machine's been stolen. Whose phone is it on? Yeah, it's it's definitely... It, there's definitely downside. It, it was a cheaper option. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking... I think we've been offered a Bluetooth um, RFID tag kind of similar kind of mm. thing that we could link to our newer products that are coming out now. So the new hardware that's coming out now is all going to be LE. 
Bluetooth enabled. We believe, and the industry believes, and also, you know, all of the people that are in tracking believe that that's where it's going to go. It's not there yet. It's like 2G yeah. being switched off. It's not going to be switched off in 2025. It might be. Um, so I, I believe they're a great idea. I, I don't dismiss anybody's idea because we're all in it to make our own little bit. Yeah. Um, I, if, I, if, we, if I believed in something enough to do the tagging, I would already be doing it. And, and, you know, you speak to manufacturers and you speak to people that make these kind of things and they're not singing and shouting and dancing about it. So I'm not going to either. Oh. Is the government doing anything at all? Not that I know of. No, just sitting on the hands per usual. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not to dismiss it so much. I know they've got lots of other things going yeah. on. But, you know, machine theft and construction and ARB and trees being in the middle of the road is... Building a house is where the, the whole economy starts. Yeah. Because you buy a house, you buy a car, you buy a new car to fit in with the street, you buy a new bed, you buy... So building a house or the foundations or the groundworks that go into all of that is, is where the economy lifts from. They have to do more. Um, a tree being down in the road or um, you know something going into the A1 or the M1 shuts the M1 for 10 minutes, an hour. You know, I, I was sat with one of the sales guys that we employed the other day, and he said, I think it's like a million quid every hour that the A1 shut. Yeah, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Insane. So imagine a tree falling down on the A1, and you need to go out as the arborist yeah. to go take your chipper and, and chip down all of this mess. Well, if you can't because your ship has been stolen, again, it goes back, maybe the government should be doing more, educating more, or helping in some respect. But, I mean, that's an open-ended question that you could talk about for days and hours. Right, I'm listening to the podcast, and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to... I'm thinking of getting a tracker, but then again, I'm thinking of not. What would you say to someone? Call me. Because, honestly, the, the, the best advice I can give you is call us and have a chat. Yeah. We're not here to give you the hard sell. We're here to help you. My, my vision and my mission as a business when I first started was to be the most customer-centric tracking telematics provider in the industry because then it's customer-driven. If you think that you might need it, we can help you understand why you might need it more or actually talk you and say, maybe you don't need it. We're not here to just make a quick book. Yeah. I'm not here to make the Friday money. I'm here to have longevity in the industry and be the trusted partner that people come to and say, you've given me some really sound advice there. One day I'll buy from you but today is not the day. So that's what I would say is give us a call and talk it through. If it's one chipper, understanding what your, what your value is, why do you need it, what do you want, how easy is it to see it, how easy is it to get you on the platform, can we come and install it at your place rather than can we do it on site, can we not, do you want it all back at your yard so no one sees, or, you know, out in the field. So yeah, my advice would be that. I know I'm off on a tangent slightly, but just give us a call and have a chat. What's the best way people can get in touch with you? Um, best way best way for me is, uh, not for me or for the business, is to just call the office number. Um, so the office number is on, on, on these uh, wonderful things behind us, but just give us a call in the office. Have a chat with the sales team. Have a chat with me. You can call me on the mobile direct. My mobile number's on our website. I did that in... I, as we've grown as a business, we now turn over a million quid, okay? And when we got to a million quid, I was like, wow, that's fantastic. And I was, I was proud of it too. And um, we don't talk. I don't talk about it very often, but I want to stay grounded and humble. And I want people like you that owned a biz business previously in the industry, or the guy that's got one chipper, to be able to reach out to the to me and say, "Do you know what? I've got a chipper. Tell me why I need it." So my mobile number's on the website for that reason, and I'll never take it off because I want people to. I still get phone calls, cold calls about all sorts, but I listen to everybody yeah. because I do the same thing. 
if you've got something cool to sell, I'll listen and I'll probably meet you. Um, but if you don't, then you get the, you know, please leave me alone. <laughs> Brilliant. Ben, thank you very much for inviting us up to Soul Track and thank you for coming on the podcast. Brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs>